From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. Additive leans itself really well to blockchain because it's, um, you know, it's all digital already. So, you know, whereas more old manufacturing kind of started from a 2D print and worked, you know, engineering drawings, whereas additive usually starts completely digitized. So it really lends itself well from a traceability and custody standpoint in the digital thread. And having, and Simba makes it really simplistic by putting like this digital fingerprint on every single data item and physical component um, and having that traceability. So that's, and then we graphically with graph uh, databases and graph uh, GraphQL, we actually represent the whole supply chain and all the transactions that happened on that. And that's all done in our interface. So we simplify all that. It's very, it, we really simplify the complexity of the network, which is supply chain, right? Supply chain is so messy and complex. And so you can really make heads or tails of it with our system and you can visualize that and you can see it. And we make the blockchain visible. That's the other thing we do um, that is another secret sauce to our item. And then the APIs we auto generate to that. So yeah, I think, you know, there's ups and downs in the industry, but we are um, really looking at the enterprise grade side of things and very definitely on the beginning, the beginning of this whole system. I mean, this will be, this will be mainstream in 10 years, but right now we're very early in the, <laughs> in the, in the process. That was Joel Nidig. Joel is a serial entrepreneur with 15 years of experience integrating manufacturing technology and developing software. He co-founded Atlas 3D, which was later acquired by Siemens after licensing technology developed in collaboration with America Makes, Johnson & Johnson, University of Notre Dame, and Itamco. His most recent startup, SimbaChain, is bringing blockchain technology to the manufacturing floor. Today, Joel joins the show to talk about the data challenges around 3D printing and advanced manufacturing and how his companies are pushing the boundaries of new technologies like blockchain to improve the U.S. supply chain. All right, Joel, welcome to the show. Why don't we just get started for the audience and tell us a little bit about how you and your company kind of got into 3D printing. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, my name is Joel Nidig. I'm the CEO and co-founder of SimbaChain. Um, and before that, um, I am, uh, still work with my family at ITMCO. It's a manufacturing business that my grandfather and great uncle started back in 1955. Um, and before that, they started with South Bend Tool and Die. Um, they were managers there um, and then uh, decided to go out on their own. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I started, started ITMCO from some very humble beginnings, uh, just doing like research and development for Caterpillar. Um, and then uh, eventually became a production manufacturing facility, multiple facilities, um, up to half a million square feet of manufacturing floor space. So a pretty large, you know, do gearing for some pretty big companies um, and uh, uh, a lot in mining oil and gas and defense um, and energy sectors. Um, and when I came back to the company, we, um, I, me and my dad have always been um, very uh, technology driven, you know, trying to improve things. And so I had a operations management background and, uh, and a, um, a computer science minor. Um, and so when I came back to the company, my dad said, well, you need to start, you know, look at standards and look at, you know, getting involved in protocols and different things like that. So when I first came back to the company, which was around 2005, um, 
MT Connect came out like in 2008. Um, and so that was the, I went to the IMTS uh, when we were having shows and things um, in Chicago and um, saw that at the Emerging Technology Center and got involved in that really heavily. Um, and then Notre Dame reached out to us, like, you know, fast forward a few years down the road and they were like, you guys need to like get technology, like out of your shop and, you know, commercialized. And we're like, well, we just use it internally, you know, for our manufacturing business. So that got us driving into, um, you know, doing, and before that I was like doing mobile application development for iOS and Android and things like that. Just trying to improve, you know, you know, upgrade the manufacturing, you know, businesses. Cause like we're always, I feel like in manufacturing, we're always like a little behind. Um, and so uh, then uh, we got involved in this project with America makes and Notre Dame. Um, I then took that technology. We co-founded a company called Atlas 3d and we uh, ended up exiting that to Siemens. Um, so that was a software as a service um metal 3d printing did automatic orientation and build supports and everything right now. So now that that software is called Sonata and that's in, in the Siemens PLM um, product line. Um, and several of our companies or our uh, people went to that company now and are all Siemens employees. Well, in the meantime, I had started another company called SimbaChain, uh, which is, was what we built out of Notre Dame. Again, it's a Notre Dame licensed technology. And that was a blockchain technology. And we won the very first DARPA contract um, for blockchain with that company. So my co-founder, uh, Dr. Ian Taylor, um, me and him, and then Yark Nabriski, uh, who is the director for research and computing at, at Notre Dame, um, were like, let's make this stuff really simplistic so that we can build in blockchain. You know, if, if for the listenership, it's all about, you know, Bitcoin kind of started it and a, it's a cryptocurrency and, but the underlying technology is blockchain. It's basically just a digital ledger that we can all keep track traceability. It's very open um, and it's very secure because it has public private key um, capabilities that, you know, um, everybody has to sign every transaction. So it's very um, peer to peer um, and uh, very distributed. Um, you might hear things like web 3.0 and other things that's all blockchain related. And so, so we, yeah, we start, we founded the company and so, um, yeah, it just continues to grow. Um, and that's pretty much my full, uh, time job right now is just, um, running that. And we've got employees in UK and South Africa from East to West coast in America. Um, so we're up to over 25 employees now. Um, we've raised $2 million so far and, um, yeah, it's going great. So we just had some recent awards. We got a one point. We have multiple $1.5 million contracts with Air Force, Navy, um, and um, it's exciting to see, you know, where it's going to head. So, And so with SimbaChain, kind of what's the, like, kind of tangible use? Or is it used to, like, encrypt files or communications between entities, kind of distributed manufacturing? Like, how, how does it um, interact with, with some of your customers? Yeah, so the main uses of SimbaChain is that we have connectivity to multiple different networks. So we have um, connectivity to um, Consensus Quorum, Hyperledger Fabric, Hyperledger Burrow, Binance, Ethereum, uh, RSK, which is a sidechain to Bitcoin. So it's all these like crypto blockchain networks that are um, distributed. And it's not, um, it's kind of like the early days of the internet in that space because 
now things can be completely decentralized and it's not centrali- centrally stored on an Amazon, you know, cloud service or something like that. So it's got a lot more ro- rigidity and robustness to if a node goes down, it doesn't, you know, there's other nodes that are running the network. So it's very, it's very difficult to take that down or do DDoS attacks. And so SimbaChain simplifies that um, by, we have a front end interface that auto designs um, kind of like Visio where you can drag and drop um, uh, uh, little blocks and define your business process. And then it auto generates the code that goes on the blockchain, which is a smart contract. Um, and it's a solidity code that uses that. So people don't have to be like, if you're a business person or have a, you know, business logic or a business analyst, you can design your own networks and communications. And really it's all being used in supply chain, especially that's our big customer in the DOD. So it's all about traceability, supply chain traceability of parts, where they're at, who's got custody of what. And that's the biggest application that we've seen um, outside of the cryptocurrencies. Um, We have some other things that are, you know, keeping records, uh, secure and things like that because blockchain does have that piece um, and that's in the misinformation disinformation space um, so we can actually like you know cryptographically hash and um, understand if something's been modified or changed um, like move audio files video files pictures um, press releases other things like that that where different governments try to um, manipulate information and we can show that it's been manipulated and, and where the actually first source of truth came from. So we've got a lot of partners and allies that we've been developing that with. Um, and that's a big other, another use case. So a lot of it's about, da- everything's about data integrity with blockchain. It's just like, what is truth? You know, that's the biggest problem that we face in our current modern era. And it's like, we're just trying to add a little bit of glimmer of hope that like, hey, this is the, this was the original ledger and here, here's the data. And it's all accessible to everyone. And so that's what blockchain really is all about, um, about community and collaboration. And have, have you seen kind of interest kind of continue to increase? I mean, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, kind of cryptocurrencies like have had up and downs. It's on a huge upswing now, kind of back in the press. Like, do you, do you guys benefit from kind of a lot of those discussions and like kind of companies are starting to ask different questions as it becomes a bit more mainstream, not as kind of risky or kind of out there as it was maybe three, four years ago? Yeah, it's becoming a lot more robust. I mean, our, our technology, like we've been building it for four years now. So it's like we've made it pretty enterprise grade platform. So we have an uh, we have a cloud-based platform that people can access. But we also have one that's deployed in Azure or you can take it on-prem or in your own cloud, like Amazon or Google Cloud. Um, so it's all Kubernetes and um, uh, uh, Dockerized. Um, and... And yeah, exactly. I mean, we exactly like when, when cryptocurrencies are going great, everybody's like, Oh, I'm so excited about this. But then like when it dies down, it's like, okay, the true believers are left, you know? So, but really the blockchain technology is really, I think a bigger market than even cryptocurrencies because it's kind of this whole web 3.0 distributed. It's not centralized data. Um, You know, so much we can hold just on our phones alone. Right. So our phones have so much data and information that, and we have to have, a way to secure that information, you know, our data centralized in a cloud is so accessible to being hacked. And so how do we give the control back to the users? And that's really what we're really focusing on is, is building this pro these, this uh, way to develop that more easily. So we're not protocol based. We we're really blockchain agnostic, but we help the tools to build 
on blockchain and make it more easy for users. So we have like iOS and Android templates and like SDKs for Java and Node.js and um, .NET and Truffle Suite is another big uh, development suite and for blockchain. So that's really where we find, and we keep adding more blockchain networks because there's ones that do different things better than others. And so that's why we remain agnostic and we do different implementations like for our, one of our customers, Tokes is a large multi-billion dollar restaurant um, conglomerate in Mexico. And they have coffee, coffee traceability all the way back to the farm. So they can trace that, that item all the way back. Um, and and a similar one with the, with the Air Force, we're doing with additive and tracing those uh, um, parts and, and other things back. And Navy's, uh, Navy's more of a manufactured part, but it's the same principle. It's like, where is this at? What was the, you know, orish, original or uh, and who signed off on what getting repaired, maintenance repair, overhaul, items like that. So um, an additive leans itself really well to blockchain because it's, um, you know, it's all digital already. So, you know, whereas more old manufacturing kind of started from a 2D print and worked, you know, engineering drawings, whereas additive usually starts completely digitized. So it really lends itself well from a traceability and custody standpoint in the digital thread. And having, and Simba makes it really simplistic by putting like this digital fingerprint on every single data item and physical component um, and having that traceability. So that's, and then we graphically, with graph uh, databases and graph uh, GraphQL, we actually represent the whole supply chain and all the transactions that happened on that. And that's all done in our interface. So we simplify all that. It's very, it, we really simplify the complexity of the network, which is supply chain, right? Supply chain is so messy and complex. And so you can really make heads or tails of it with our system and you can visualize that and you can see it. And we make the blockchain visible. That's the other thing we do um, that, is another secret sauce to our item and then the APIs we auto generate to that. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's ups and downs in the industry, but we are um, really looking at the enterprise grade side of things and very definitely on the beginning, the beginning of this whole system. I mean, this will be, this will be mainstream in 10 years, but right now we're very early in the, <laughs> in the, in the process. And can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you and your family kind of started as a, a small company manufacturer and are now doing work with some Notre Dame. You started with some projects, America makes kind of the DOD, like how do you build up those relationships and, and how did those kind of originate um, in kind of getting into some of those, those networks that would otherwise be where'd even start. Right. Right. You can't, you don't, you can't just call guy X at, at the Navy to, to start working together. What, what's, uh, what's the story behind that? Yeah. So what, what we've done um, is I started to get, like I said, I started to get involved in open standards and you can go to those, go to, well, before you could go to these meetings, now it's WebEx or, you know, Zoom calls or Teams calls. But um, before that, before the COVID, that's what, that's how I do it. I mean, I would go to like, there's NDIA, which is defense, organization meetups. Um, there is um, uh, cyber roadshows. So the small business innovation research grant roadshows, you can go talk to government groups and then partnering on the manufacturing USA institutes like MXD or America makes. And there's so many other institutes that do a great job um, like arm Institute or remade or 
nimble or I could, the list goes, says me, or I, I'm going to be remiss because somebody, I'm going to leave somebody out and they didn't, like, didn't say our name. But anyway, there's so many great manufacturing institutes and um, we're part of several of them, but we, that's a great place to co- collaborate and meet all these universities, public, private sector, um, large organizations that we've partnered with on projects. And so we started like, we could only do a little small part, you know, being little like Tamco or Simba Chain or Atlas 3D, you know, we were just a small, all these companies are just, a, can only do a small little part, but we add value to that project. And that's how we started collaborating is bringing that little value that we brought, little domain expertise, and then having a, a, a university and then a large partner like Lockheed or Boeing or Dow Chemical or somebody that would partner with us, Johnson & Johnson on some of our projects. And then we meet all these people and learn to do projects. And then as we have successful projects, we would go, hey, we've got this other idea. What do you think about it? And then, you know, work on other things. So that's really how, and, you know, I would say it's not like you're not going to make money off of doing those research projects, right? I mean, don't expect that. But what comes out of them is potentially, you know, you have products that could have potential and things like that. So look at those as like a way to communicate and talk with people and get involved in projects and then work your way into commercializing those is what, um, and that's what I do really well. Um, my family does from an entrepreneur spirit standpoint is that we commercialize technology. So we try to find things that are um, maybe undervalued or something like that and people, and then we try to um, expose them to go, Hey, I think I can take that and go license it. And then, you know, work. And that's where the really hard work is getting it, getting it through that valley of death and crossing the chasm is the hardest part in the entrepreneur's space. Um, and a lot of that's like, you know, you need capital, you need partnerships, you need all kinds of things. Um, and then, yeah, getting the customers to, to buy it is the, that's the next, the heart. The, well, yeah, exactly. That's the secret sauce. Cause then once you figure that out, then you could, the rest of it kind of makes sense. So. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are fairly unique, at least in what I've seen is in terms of being a manufacturer and commercializing so many different technologies and being on the forefront. I mean, you guys have a, I mean, last time I was there, you have an EOS metal system uh, on your site and, and kind of being pretty forward thinking in terms of manufacturing, what's it going to look like in three, five, 10 years. And um, how did that start? Is that something that's always been part of the the culture of the company? And, and kind of yeah, I, um, we've always been very innovative, um, you know, always looking at where some new technology is coming out. But yeah, we have, um, we do metal 3D printing or metal additive powder bed, powder bed fusion, uh, direct metal laser center, you know, there's so, all these terminologies that for the same thing, but yes. Uh, and I, I, probably we probably looked for like eight months and we interviewed like Trump and we went to 3D systems and we talked to Renishaw and we, but anyway, I ended up going to Germany and talked to EOS and that's what ended up selling me. It's like, I went to EOS, um, uh, there in, um, uh, uh, curling, right? Yeah. Car curling. Yeah. And, um, went there and, beautiful area. It's got like these, it was a wooded area and it's really cool. Um, but yeah, that's what really sold me. So I went there and so we ended up buying a system, uh, USM 290, kind of like they're still their workhorse of their, of their, uh, of their portfolio. And yeah, now we, um, we've got, we'd really do focus on work with like NASA and, um, 
Air Force and Navy. That's kind of like where we focus more right now. And it's our like more on the research side of things. Um, Army, we've done work for Army too. So it's kind of like NASA, Army, Air Force, and Navy. And we do like really um, heavy, like, you know, prototyping, very significant prototyping for them. So like, um, and usually partnering with Notre Dame or Purdue to do the testing. So right now we're doing a, um, we have a multi-year project doing removable runways for the Air Force. And it's basically lightweighting, making them more rigid, rigidity there and making them stronger and um, just easy to implement uh, outside the normal AM2 runway that they currently have implemented. So it's very interesting um, and it can, you know, it's basically moving to that new level of um, uh, not only like a C-17 landing on it, but also the vertical takeoff and lift items that can, that can uh, land on it too. So building all these new capabilities and trying to engineer for the new, you know, the new era of the air force um, is, is kind of like what we're building there. So, yeah, so lots of uh, technology involved um, and that's how we kind of, look at scaling up and, and, but yeah, we've always been very innovative and that's what kind of got us involved in Atlas 3D and that project and, and eventually exiting that, you know, getting acquired by Siemens, that software. Um, and we've got lots, I mean, there's so many ideas we've, and we've had lots of failures too. I don't like nothing's, oh, you always like look at the successes, but man, have we had failures. I mean, I can tell you a lot of failures and a lot of lost money too. So but I won't go into that because those aren't fun to talk about. <laughs> and so with kind of being on the forefront of a lot of this technology, whether it's 3D printing or, or blockchain, how does that work in terms of as you're trying to acquire company or acquire customers mm-hmm. and new business? Like I imagine a lot of your work initially is like just explaining, okay, what is this general concept and yeah. how is this going to add value to what I'm doing now with, um, with whatever business I'm doing. Yeah. And it's really, um, yeah, the, the value proposition is very, um, you to be very clear. And, and we, so we've got some great teammates, um, that have, um, have been early in the industry that we've hired. Um, and we have like a master trainer at Simba chain that does really good on the education side. And our sales team came, some of our sales team came from both blockchain, com- like box, early stage blockchain companies, like, um, decentralized um, autonomous organizations like DAO, like MakerDAO and things like that. Those are um, kind of um, big, um, the DAOs are kind of this big thing in the blockchain world and the community there. Um, and one of our, one of our other salespeople came from the, um, from WatchGuard. Uh, so cybersecurity side of things. Um, so yeah. And then he had, he was part of a blockchain startup as well. So, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of um, education that goes into it and then just very technical things and then trying to show what applications, not just saying blockchain, but it's like, hey, what's, here's the application. Oh, it's misinformation, disinformation, it's supply chain. Here's how you can know the custody and where something's at and have traceability back on something. And so showing those value um, additions and having this automatic execution inside of a network that smart contracts bring, you know, an automatic settlement of items. Whereas usually, you know, you deposit a check and sometimes it takes like 10 days for the bank to reconcile, you know, that or whatever. 
like because if it's coming from out of state or in a different bank that they don't do business with. So blockchain immediately has reconciliation and settlement. So these are just a lot of things that people are starting to understand. And now like, like PayPal just is offering Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies on their platform now. So you're going to see this massive like hockey stick effect that you've already, you know, you're, we're starting to see from that standpoint. So, and a lot of businesses are building on this new distributed architecture. And do you anticipate focusing on kind of certain problem sets or industries? I know you mentioned the, the coffee example, but like, are there kind of like niche, not niche markets or yeah. like specific problems or, or sectors that you want to focus on? Yeah. I mean, our main focus right now has been supply chain um, mm-hmm. and the DOD. And then we, um, we just hired a, a, a vice president of defense and supply chain. He was 33 year um, at DLA defense logistics, logistics agency. He was an SES. Um, and then we, um, and then the other, the other two verticals are enterprise, which is really focused on the supply chain side. And then, um, the, um, uh, the educational side. So education is a big one. Um, so we actually have several university partners that we sell our software to. So they take it in their supply chain courses and they are learning, what they're going to do when they get into enterprise and into um, government. Um, So if they go that space, so we're building the solutions inside enterprise and government, they're going to learn how to use our tool once they get out there. So we're building the whole pipeline of our, of our company. So as they graduate and become executives or into industry, they're going to use Simba chain to, to build out their supply chain solutions. So that's kind of how we're, and we're integrating with several different software platforms. Like we have Microsoft Power Apps integration. We've done some integration with SAP. Um, we've done database. Uh, um, we have uh, an extract transform load capability with Apache Airflow. So we can connect into any data source. Um, and we have SharePoint integration that's coming out in our next release. So we're integrating with some you know pretty big business systems that people use every day, but blockchain adds that extra trust and traceability that they don't get with these other systems that they have to then connect and communicate with other untrusted systems. So systems that they, you know, that's what blockchain brings is that zero trust capability. And you'll hear about a lot about zero trust um, in, as we get more decentralized um, and non-centralized and you don't want your data centralized because it's prone to hacking too. So and do you take a lot of the kind of new innovation that you're doing with Simba Chain and kind of the um, uh, design kind of software that, that you had, Atlas, and kind of wrap it back into the work that you're doing at um, ITAMCO and kind of kind of keeping it? Is that usually a, a beta kind of test for some of the, the work that you're doing or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tamco is a customer. They, they were the first customer of both. Um, so, so Tamco is the first customer of Atlas and Tamco is the first customer of, of, um, of Simba chain and continues to be. So it's exciting. Um, and yeah, that's a great, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a great place to incubate our, our proof of concepts inside a real manufacturing facility. And what's the, I mean, I guess if I'm kind of a, small or medium size, even some of these large manufacturing kind of organizations across the U S like mm-hmm. they've got to deal with, uh, 
I mean, the day-to-day business, but then right. there's new technologies like 3D printing and robotics and automation and right. blockchain. Like, how do you, what are you kind of seeing from, um, from where you sit in terms of like, how are people kind of like, I'm assuming people recognize that these are trends and mega trends and things right. that they have to get, wrap their heads around, but like, what's the, like, what are people doing about it? Are they kind of actively taking like, Hey, like we need to get up to speed or kind of what's the adoption rate at for, for some of these? Yeah. I think additive is, is kicking up. Um, the, it's really good to partner with universities because that's, you know, people can get their feet wet or like a, a university student that's doing like their capstone project. And then, mm-hmm. you know, local industry, small, medium sized manufacturers can actually like cope with that. Because, you know, exactly, they're just trying to make payroll and, you know, get the, sh- get the shipment out for the month. You know, that's what small business and medium-sized businesses care about. Um, and they don't really have, like, these massive research budgets, you know. So it's like, how do you partner to um, work with those groups? And I think the adoption rate is kicking up. And the more and more we can – see, I come from that world, so I'm like, this has to be so simplistic, right? And so that's where Simba Chain comes in is like, we are going to make this so simple that it's going to be easy, you know, you're not going to not want to implement it because it makes your life so much more simplistic. And so that's really where we're, where I, we come at from a user experience, you know, UX design standpoint um, and focus on that. So, um, and like I said, yeah, I mean, there's so many different verticals in the blockchain space, um, but we really just aim, our big goal is to make it simplistic. And in SimbaChain, we're almost, I think we're up to 4,000 users now um, on the platform. So it's quite, it's getting quite significant. Um, we plan to hit 10,000 by the end of the year. Um, and so it'll be a pretty, pretty mainstay plat software platform where people get going, you know, started into testing out different blockchain, uh, technology. Um, and that's, what's great is it's a freemium platform. So anybody can go and log in for free and, and do it. And that's how we start. Atlas was the same way. Anybody could, it was a, we always had one free build. Um, so people could always log in for free and, and do your first tests. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we approach it as a freemium model and then, uh, monetize the, the top, the top tiers. And kind of, you've got that looking forward in terms of kind of growing the customer base. Um, you guys were recently, um, had some awards throwing your way for some of your SBIR work. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of what else are you looking forward to in, in 2021? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We won the, uh, the advanced manufacturing Olympics for supply chain with the air force. The first one that was really amazing. So we beat out Boeing and Stratasys and that. So that was, that was great. Um, and then we recently were awarded the Cibber, the Cibber STTR award is called the Tibbetts award. And it's basically Tibbetts uh, started the SBR and STTR programs in the United States and the SBA awarded that to us. So that was amazing to receive, to be named amongst that. And, you know, some large companies like 23andMe and Qualcomm all came from that, you know, that kind of pedigree. So it's, it's, it's exciting for SimbaChain to be the first blockchain crypto company to be named amongst that, amongst that group. That's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck in the coming years. I think it's, I'm excited to see where you guys grow this and hopefully we'll see you in person soon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to like getting the conferences again and like having that communication because I think great ideas come out of those kind of things. But until then, we'll be on the on the interwebs. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you so much.
Yeah, thank you.